Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the July 2020 CTSS quiz. We hope your summer will be a pleasant one, and that we welcome everybody to the new academic year. And we have 10 terrific cases for you. So let's get started. In this first case, I ask you what the most likely diagnosis is. If you look carefully at the images, you can see there's a mass in the pancreas, but the mass is really essentially entirely a fat. It's not a solid mass like an adenocarcinoma or a mass that's solid and maybe cystic like a spend tumor or a hypervascular lesion like a neuroendocrine tumor. It's a classic fatty tumor. Lipomas of the pancreas are relatively uncommon. Usually they're small. This is one of the larger ones. It's a benign leave alone lesion. Obviously patients with cystic fibrosis have replacement of the pancreas with fat in most cases, but this is a solid lipoma uh, and not a patient with cystic fibrosis. In this next case, case, I ask, what is the best diagnosis? You can see a filling defect in the region of the left atrial appendage. Now, sometimes you can get fooled. Filling defects can be due to flow-related, particularly with poor cardiac output or a large left atrial appendage. Occasionally, you get tumors involving the left atrial appendage, but they're irregular, so this is not a sarcoma. And this is circular and round. It's not a fluid-fluid level, as in a pseudothrombus. That's not the case. And metastatic breast cancer can go to the heart, but usually the pericardium. And this is smooth, and this is a very nice example of a left atrial thrombus, very nicely shown on both the axial and the coronal imaging. Here's a patient with a left adrenal mass, and I ask you what's the most likely diagnosis. When you look at the lesion, it's about five or six centimeters, so it's not a small lesion, but it does contain fat, macroscopic fat, as well as punctate calcifications. So what could it be? Well, adenomas rarely contain calcification, and they don't have solid fat. They're low density adenomas typically are under 10 Hounsfield units and can be minus 10, but they don't have solid fat. That's what we see with myelolipomas. Yes, I know that occasionally metastasis, pheochromocytoma, or a primary adrenal cortical carcinoma has been reported to contain fat, but the tumors then are large, there's irregular enhancement, and usually the fat is related to uh, invasion of the periadrenal or perirenal fat. This is the classic appearance of a leave-alone myelolipoma. Again, myelolipomas are benign, no malignant potential. Occasionally, they will be removed if they get larger than classically seven centimeters, or if they're causing any symptoms at all to the patient. Now, in this case, I ask for the least likely diagnosis. If you look at the patient's region of the right adrenal gland and right kidney, there's a mass and an infiltrating process. Now, I guess the question is, is this arising in the adrenal, or maybe nearby in the IVC, or maybe in the retroperitoneum, or maybe in the kidney? Well, if you thought it was from the IVC, it would be an IVC sarcoma. If you thought it was from the adrenal, you could even worry about a malignancy. You could worry about a lesion that bled like a pheo. But what about something like lymphoma involving the peri and pararenal spaces? Well, you could also consider an angiomyolipoma, perhaps, because maybe it was a renal tumor that bled. Well, what are we really dealing with? Well, I remember I said least likely. 
It could be a lymphoma with perirenal spread. It could be a pheo that bled. It could be an adrenal carcinoma that spread and bled. The one thing is not as an adenoma. Adenomas, occasionally very, very large adenomas, I guess, can theoretically rupture, although I've never seen one. They can bleed, but this is more an infiltrating process, which to me suggests malignancy. And in fact, this was a pheochromocytoma that was malignant, which infiltrated the perirenal space. In this next case, I ask you, what's the most likely diagnosis for the left renal mass? You see a mass, non-contrast and contrast, very dense calcifications. You don't see any changes in enhancement. There's no perfusion changes in the remaining kidney. So what can we think about? Well, you know, renal cell carcinomas can contain calcification, but then they would enhance, and the calcifications usually aren't so dense. AMLs occasionally can have calcification, though they're tiny, and AVMs can have like rim calcifications in the vascular component. But at the end of the day, this looks like something that bled. Dense coarse calcifications, be it adrenal, be it renal, be it in the spleen, be it in the liver, you gotta think of prior bleeding. And this was due to an old renal hematoma way back when, many years earlier, the patient had renal trauma. So a very nice example. What about this case? Patient with an FUO, what's the best diagnosis for the left kidney? Well, what you see with the left kidney, it's atrophic and it has this unusual pattern of calcifications that seem to match the cortical medullary interface. Remember, that's a non-contrast study and it looks the same on contrast and perhaps you're talking about dilated calyces. The contralateral right kidney is fine. There's no perirenal or pararenal space involvement. So what are we dealing with? I guess you could consider chronic pilo because that gets calcification, but you get small kidneys and you get punctate calcifications. This appearance is strange. It's not a renal cell carcinoma. You can have calcifications in renal cell, but then the lesions are vascular. This is avascular. Uh, obviously, clear cells are markedly hypervascular, but even papillaries are enhancing up to 90 Hounsfield units. It doesn't have the look of a transitional cell carcinoma either. This is a great example of tuberculosis. Very nice atrophic kidney, linear calcifications. Sometimes with TB, you can see strictures in the ureter, strictures in the renal pelvis, calocele strictures, papillary necrosis, and even a small non-functioning atrophic calcified kidney. TB is rare, but it does occur, and this was one very nice example. In this patient, I ask you, what's the most likely diagnosis? If you look at the images, you have a process that involves the lower lungs greater than the upper lungs. You see bronchiectasis, you see interstitial changes. It's not the appearance of lung cancer. It's not an appearance of lymphangenic spread. It's not a PE, I didn't even show you any soft tissue windows. And it's not gonna be lymphoma, as we can consider those as possibilities. We could also consider COVID-19, but this is not the pattern of COVID-19 pneumonia. We could also consider sarcoid, but that typically involves the upper rather than the lower lungs. And IPF is a consideration, but the bronchiectatic changes, as well as the fact the patient has a dilated esophagus, pushes us to scleroderma. And this was scleroderma, just a very, very nice example. Central versus peripheral, bronchiectasis, interstitial changes, lower lungs greater than upper lungs. In this patient with shortness of breath, what's the best diagnosis? 
When you look at the imaging, the first thing you see is what looks like a big mass by the left hilum. Maybe it's simply just a lung cancer. But then you look and it's invading the pulmonary artery. And you say, well, maybe it's a lung cancer invading the pulmonary artery. Now, truthfully, with lung cancer, particularly non-small cell, pulmonary involvement is common, but it's usually encasement and narrowing of the uh, pulmonary artery. Here it's growing into, but maybe think of it differently. What if this was growing out of the pulmonary artery? And so you look and you say, it could be a small cell. It's not a P, it's too big. Lymphoma is a possibility, but lymphoma, again, is typically compression or displacement of the vessels, not invasion. This was the unusual diagnosis of pulmonary artery sarcoma. Remember, they're often diagnosed when they're smaller as large PEs, sometimes the equivalent of saddle emboli, but it persists, and they go in to do a thrombectomy, and it's a solid tumor. So it's rare, it's aggressive, and something you want to consider. Here's an interesting case. There's a cystic lesion in the patient's upper pole, right kidney. There is some rim enhancement. There is some nodularity, maybe at about 7 o'clock, and there is a septation. And you can see the findings both on the arterial and on the late phase imaging. So you ask the question, what could this be? Bosniak 1 cyst is a simple cyst. Bosniak 2 cyst is a simple cyst with a thin septation. But once you have nodularity, you got a tumor. It's not an abscess. The patient uh, wasn't febrile, and this is not an abscess. Abscesses and walls are more irregular. The center is not so cystic. This was an unusual case. I would be highly suspicious this is malignancy. I would have picked maybe there's a papillary renal cell within a cystic wall. This was a transitional cell carcinoma arising in the wall of a cyst. That's a bit atypical, but you have to remember this is a malignancy. Do not just simply follow this case like you are following a Bosniak 2 or Bosniak 2F cyst. So just a very nice example. In this case, I'm asking you for the least likely diagnosis in this patient with fever. What are you seeing in this case? You're seeing infiltration, lack of cortical medullary differentiation early and late in the patient's left kidney, and it looks like it encases the left renal artery and encases maybe the right renal artery in cases the patient's renal vein. This could be lymphoma. Lymphoma infiltrates the kidney and perirenal involvement. It could be TCC, a transitional cell. Again, we don't have the entire kidney, but transitional cell can be diffusely infiltrating. And it can be a papillary renal cell. That's probably the least favorite of the malignancies, but again, we only have a couple sections, and papillaries can be infiltrative, though usually the more well-defined masses. The one thing that I don't like for this case is polynephritis. Yes, pilo can give perfusion changes and decreased enhancement, but not early and late and not the entire kidney as we see it. And you cannot explain the perirenal involvement and the involvement around the vessels. So the least likely diagnosis is acute polynephritis. Well, that's 10 terrific cases. Hopefully you got all the answers correctly, but as with all of our quizzes, the purpose is not to get the answers correctly this time, it's to get them correct the next time when you see it in practice. So hopefully we've taught you something, and with that, have a great day. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website, ctsus.com, for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store.
All links are in the description box below.